Today's episode of The Movies That Made Her But Not Me is sponsored by FilmCred. Providing new film critics and writers in-depth feedback on their writing, FilmCred is made up of a community of collaborators dedicated to publishing insightful reviews, interviews, video essays, and coverage of film festivals. Visit film-cred.com to learn more. And I'm Lauren Lloyd, and you are listening to the movies that made her, but not me. The podcast where we discuss classic films from different generational perspectives. The classic film we are discussing today is the 1973 feature film, The Way We Were. Let's... Well? Why do you carry your books all the time? That's what I crossed the street for? I'm celebrating. What are you celebrating? I got you to cross the street. Listen, I'm sorry I, I, um, I let so much time go by without telling you that I really liked your story. You're a good writer. Thank you. Let's set the scene. The movie is The Way We Were, starring Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford. This movie is based on a novel that came out just one year before the film did. Streisand plays a young Jewish Marxist named Katie who is passionate and vocal about her beliefs. She meets Hubble, played by Redford, and although they are into each other, they don't get together in the beginning. The movie chronicles their on and off relationship as they care for each other but struggle to make a relationship work. Katie wants Hubble to be more driven and Hubble wants Katie to be less hard on him. But despite their difficulties, they get married and have a baby and then everything falls apart all over again. (laughs) The year is 1973. The United States ends their involvement in the Vietnam War. Secretariat becomes the first horse since 1948 to win the Triple Crown in the U.S. Roe v. Wade makes abortion a U.S. constitutional right. The Sears Tower is completed. Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs compete in the Battle of the Sexes and Vice President to Richard Nixon Spiro Agnew resigns. The Way We Were becomes the fifth highest grossing film that was made that year, making nearly $50 million. And Barbra Streisand releases a song by the same name that won an Academy Award for Best Original Song at the 46th Academy Awards. Lauren, why don't you tell us about the first time you saw The Way We Were? All right. The first time that I saw it, I was very taken by, again, the love story and the uh, social aspects of what were going on in the world uh, at that time, even though it was in the 40s. I thought, and I love uh, all of the conflicting points of view, like people versus principles, Jewish versus uh, the Wasp, you know, which I have to say has been, um, that was very studied at that time. All the movies that I've been talking about have that. Um, Fascism, world peace, you know, smart versus stupid, blonde versus brunette, you know, straight hair versus curly hair, Um, jokes versus feelings, all that was super interesting to me. Um, But what got me the most was that you know, you're watching Hubble Gardner, who is, you know, living his life with ease and grace, and he looks like what we're all supposed to look like. And then there's, you know, Katie, Barbara Streisand, who's simply magnificent in this role. And she stands up, you know, for what she believes in. And she's really the most more valuable person. But I knew in my heart when I was watching that I was Hubble. 
even though I wanted to be Katie. Mm -hmm. And that was very disappointing for me to learn. I have to, I have to say, and when I'm watching it again, I was like, shit, yeah, I'm like Hubble. I'm just like, yeah, folding, you know, getting your way or not getting your way. Um, I guess the path of least resistance. Um, but I was very interested in their relationship because, um, they were in each, they weren't in each other's class, you know, at all. And, um, he, he, but he got it, you know, he seemed like the stupid jock who looked so beautiful and so perfect. And then that moment in the movie where he gets the, you know, the teacher talks about the best, uh, whatever writing assignment and, and, and he wins and she's kind of like, I'll never be as good a writer as him. Do you know? And I thought that was really interesting that he's not a jackass. He's a valuable person. Um, and I love that just when you thought he was going to be a complete dick. He does the sweetest little thing, so it kind of kept him. I mean, he's very, um, he's he's like very icy with no edges, really. Redford, the way he plays this, and um, you know, the first time they dance together, it's wordless, and that seemed very romantic to me. You know, he ties her shoe, you know, which was such a sweet little thing to do when he notices that her hair was different. Men never notice that, and so, but of course, that became kind of a theme throughout the whole uh, movie. And then when they get together. She's rowing the boat in Central Park. Mm -hmm. She's the one, you know, in control. And he was kind of cute. You know, she buys all these groceries for him because she wants to lure him over. She gives him the whole menu and, and pie. And he's like, oh, what kind of pie? So there was a sweetness to him and a playfulness that she didn't really allow with other people. I wasn't sure when you'd be home. How are you? Look, I don't know when I'll be back. Uh, could you leave a key or... No, you can, you can, you can. I've got steaks and baked potatoes and sour cream and chives and salad and fresh baked pie. I would have made a pot roast. I make a terrific pot roast, but I didn't know whether you ever had pot roast or whether you like pot roast. I mean, anyway, there wasn't time because it should be made the day before. So I got steaks with all my ration stamps. And you must be hungry because, I mean, with all the hotel hunting, you couldn't have had time to eat or anything. I mean, you, could, you can't go yet. I, I, you've got to stay for supper. That's all there is to it. What kind of pie? This was the first time that I've ever seen this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you picked it, it was the first time I had ever even heard of it. Really? Did not yeah. know that this movie existed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm desperate to hear what you have to say. <sighs> Don't say that. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't love it as much as you did, and I wasn't as moved by the romantic relationship as much as you were. Yeah. I, when I watched this movie, it made me think of Annie Hall which was also in the 70s. And my main takeaway from the movie was, it doesn't matter. Be he wasp or Jew, he will tear women down. Oh, right, right, right. That's what I got out of this movie. I think that there was a lot more likable characteristics in Hubble, in Robert Redford's character. I think that he had way more sweet moments. Um, but I think that when it came down to it, this movie, to me, was a playbook for how you should not be in a relationship. Well, they were hardly, you know, uh, right for each other. But, you know, opposites attract or whatever they fell in love with anyway. Or they didn't fall in love. I mean, he was drawn to her because she just didn't give up. And she was so passionate about what she believed in. And I think he wanted to be, you know, like that. But, yeah, I see your point about that. That it seemed to be... Um, thematically kind of what goes on in the 70s was that you've got a fantastic woman, you've got a guy who's just not good enough for her. Boring, not good enough for her, yeah. yeah. And um, and then he kind of tears her down. She goes out to Hollywood and, 
And she's also supporting him in the sense that I love your writing, you're better than this. She thinks more highly of him than he does. And when she says something about, you know, why aren't you a good, genteel boy or whatever? And he says, no, I, I was never a nice, genteel boy. That's just the way you saw me. So it was interesting for me to see that, because he wasn't a particularly good guy. He he was almost like a, he was basically the person put in that movie so Barbara Streisand could be so magnificent. You know, she was just so, you know, luminous with that mm-hmm. look on her face when she was in bed with him. You know, when she finally got him in bed and he was drunk, you know, and she looks over and she's just like, oh my God. Can we talk about that scene? Because that immediately took me out of the movie and it had just begun. I I know that this is a issue of the movie being made in 1973. I totally understand that and respect it. But for me, when Barbara Streisand brings him home and he passes out in her bed, to me, the appropriate response to that is, Okay, that's a bummer, but I'll sleep on the couch. Like, I don't get to sleep in my bed, but whatever, I'll sleep on the oh, couch. Oh, but she got into bed with him? Well, she takes off all of her clothes. I agree. I thought that was weird seeing it today. And in bed with him, and I was like, okay, Barbara, that's crossing so many lines. I agree. Like, I know nothing happens, but I'm like, if I passed out drunk and then I woke up and the last person I was with was naked in bed with me, I would feel super uncomfortable. Like, that's not okay. So, I, I know that this movie was made in the 70s, and you know, what was put on screen and what was thought of okay as far as consent goes was very different, but I did feel like watching it from today's perspective, I was like, oh, this is kind of yeah crossing a line. Well, when I first saw it, I remember thinking, oh, that's very bold. Oh, is she going to get in bed with him? Take her... Because I thought she'd cover him up and kiss him on the cheek, and but she, she does that. And then, and then when I saw it now, I thought, well, that's a very mature thing to do that's what I want but it also felt very weird and bold and I couldn't tell if they were like having sex or not he I passes couldn't out either or, you know I don't it didn't matter to me that you know if he wakes up and sees her naked and oh my gosh that was inappropriate I didn't care about him I was so interested in what she mm-hmm. was doing it was like it, and it also took the edge off when I saw her face you know because she was so she so put him on a pedestal she was so she was riveted by him you know I guess I just don't know why. I think maybe I have a higher standard in 2022 than women did in 1973 for how men should behave in relationships and to women. And when I saw this movie, I was like, he does not treat her with respect. He's only interested in her because she's got, I'm not like other girls, manic pixie dream girl energy where she's so unlike anyone that he's ever met before. That's why he's attracted to her. But then when she acts like someone he's never met before, he gets upset with her and goes running to his ex. Because she doesn't fit in. She doesn't fit in. Is that why? Well, he's attracted to her because she's unlike anyone he's ever met. And then when she actually is the person who's unlike anyone he's ever met. That he knows she is. Mm -hmm. He gets mad at her and goes running off to his ex-girlfriend because that girl will just say yes to whatever. Like when he's trying to get his book made into a movie, Barbara Streisand says, you're too good for that. Right. This is my opinion. You ask my opinion. I'm going to tell you what I think. And this is what I think. Do what you want with it. You're better than that. And then he doesn't want to hear that. So he goes running off to his ex-girlfriend. I thought and that was she curious. says, yeah. And she says, that sounds great. 
That's it. That's all she says is that sounds great. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of more of the response I think that he wanted because he just wants to, at the end of the day, even though Barbara Streisand is really interesting, he just wants to be with a woman who will say yes to him and follow him Who fits into his life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that. Why do you think he um, uh, fell for her? Because she is so outside what he... uh, the way he was raised, you know, with money or with that group of people or with the quote-unquote ruling class. Why do you think he went? Why do you think he fell for her? I can understand having an affair or whatever, but he married her, they had a baby, all of that. I think she was just so unlike everything that he'd been surrounded by and so interesting to him. He wanted to be part of her world and to have that kind of boldness and passion because he doesn't really have that. Um... I think that he was just so intrigued by her that he fell for her and wanted to be with her. But then when it really came down to it, the relationship with her meant him not having traditional masculine power over her, especially Mm -hmm. for a relationship that was happening in the 1940s. Mm -hmm. And even though he really liked her and wanted to be with her and thought she was special and interesting, she could never give him what he really wanted, which was to just have someone support him and say yes, and you know best, and I'll follow you anywhere, and I won't ever challenge you. It's easier. And when they break up, they have that conversation where she's like, I'm never going to be that person. I'm always going to tell you how I feel, and I'm always going to push you. And he's like, okay, that sounds good. But then when she does it, he gets upset with her. Even though she told him exactly what she was going to do. Do you think that he would have liked to been able to make that relationship work? Oh, I think that they're totally wrong for each other. I think it's this really interesting thing between this movie and Annie Hall of these couples that are being romanticized in a movie that have absolutely no business being together and mm-hmm. end up broken up at the end of the movie. I think that's a super interesting trend for romantic comedies. Like, what if we picked the... Two last people in the world who should be together mm-hmm. make you have feelings for them as a couple and then show you them broken up at the end because it will never work. Well, that's the basis of these love stories, whether they're romantic comedies or romantic dramas. It's like two different people, will they make it or not? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise, you have two people that are, you know, exactly the same and they grow up together and it's all good and, you know, there has to be some conflict and so... Yeah, I guess there... I know there has to be conflict, but I feel like in movies, romantic comedies or dramas, um, there is less interpersonal conflict, less like they're fighting all the time, they're on and off, they really don't belong together, one is trying to control the other person to be the person that he wants her to be. I don't really see that happening so much nowadays, which I think is really good. I think maybe that's an improvement on uh, male characters in movies because I think that regardless of whether or not masculine behavior has changed since 1973, I think women's perspective on how men are behaving, whether in real life or in movies, has changed significantly, especially after Me Too when you're watching these movies and you're like, this is not okay. This is manipulative. This is an acceptable behavior. And I refuse to be treated like that. I refuse to watch people be treated like that on TV or in a movie. Mm -hmm. And so that really stood out to me when I was watching this movie of how, you know, this is supposed to be the love story. These two people are in love. Everyone's crying at the end of this movie. And I was like, no, I'm glad they they broke up. Why are they crying? You're not. But why do you think? Because when I see it, I see them as like they really loved each other. Love is not enough. Yeah. You know, love is not, because that's another thing I learned when I was saw it the first time. That's all really what we all go through. 
um, it was harder and harder to find, because um, before it would be like the bad boy on the wrong side of the tracks, or it would be, you know, religion, or it would be race. But now because that's all uh, intermingled in a way that it wasn't years ago, it's, it's hard to find um, two people that are mismatched, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. Um, I thought that in the end, uh, I think that he was a guy who buckles under pressure and that he could maintain his feelings for her. Do you know what I mean? It was too mm -hmm. much um, in his face, her exposing who he is, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but I, I, I like the ending when they see each other because I felt as if, you know, she brushes his bangs away. Super sweet. And, you know, you think that... If he could have been with her, he could have been a better person. You know, he could have, I don't know what, gone from an important writer to a Hollywood hack or whatever. You look at all. You don't have an iron anymore. What? Your hair. Oh. No, I don't. It's pretty. Thank you. Still married? Sure. What are you doing in New York? Oh, uh, well, I've been writing a television show. Really? Oh, there's an experience. Everything happens so fast. Shoot it all in one day, live, on the air, everybody running around in a constant state of panic. Sounds wonderful, huh? Really. I thought, you know, despite them not being a good couple and me not rooting for them, I did think that they had incredible chemistry, yes. Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford. So that worked for me. I, I believe that they care for each other. I don't believe that... I don't believe that he really loves her so much as he is just fascinated by her. Um, but I, I did think that they had great chemistry and I, I enjoyed watching them on screen together. I believed it. Well, it was her first, um, I'm pretty sure it was her first kind of dramatic role because she was playing all those like kooky mm -hmm. uh, comedian, you know, comedies. Um, and they basically just needed somebody who she could project her, her being and her love on. And, you know, Redford was certainly a perfect catch. She was so beautiful then, you know, just mm -hmm. so beautiful. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, um, she is so beautiful. I thought that there was, you know, I, I, in some ways I appreciated and appreciate every time there is a very Jewish looking and acting woman in a movie, starring in a movie, especially as a romantic lead. But then in so many other ways, I thought that her character was so stereotypical, just like mm -hmm. she is the Jewish left wing, mm -hmm. crazy, loud, hyper-educated woman mm -hmm. that hangs out with all these wasps and they're like, ugh. She she's doesn't just get mouthing jokes. off. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she doesn't understand us and she's the outsider. And then when she kind of vocalized that, Robert Redford was like, well, stop lecturing everyone and just have a conversation with them. And I thought that all of the dialogue about her hair was really interesting. Me too. She was only accepted into their community when she straightened her hair. And, and he noticed it. Right. Which he was, noticed her. Well, he noticed her before, but he really he noticed, noticed the hair, the hair yeah. when it wasn't Jewish and curly anymore. Mm -hmm. And that was something that happened at the party. The first party that she goes to also, people are commenting on, oh, you, you look, look so different. You look so beautiful. What happened? And she says, oh, I iron my hair now. And um, she has it done in Harlem, which I thought was exactly. also super interesting for the 1940s that yeah. this Jewish woman would be going to Harlem to have her hair straightened. Um yeah, I just thought that there was simultaneously some stereotyping and some interesting conversations happening around Jewishness, but to have a Jewish woman as the heroine 
who was like a smart, bold, sassy, well-educated woman who stands up for what she believes in and talks about what she's passionate about and has a job in the 1940s, you know, while the men are away at war, she's working on this radio station. And to have her as the heroine of a movie, I was like, that's awesome. And, and, I, and I love to see that. And it was super rare then also. And I love in the end that she still, you know, I was banned the bomb. She's still yeah. kind of trying to change the world. Um, yeah. Um, I thought that relationship seemed very mature to me. Because they, they, they said things out loud, like halfway through, you know, I, he says, I don't think we're going to make it. And so he's trying to do the right thing and gives the key back. And, um, yeah. I, I didn't feel like they were being honest with each other, though. Not really. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that they were having honest conversations about, like, where they were coming from and, and how they were really feeling. He was projecting so much on her, like oh, you just want me to be this person that I'm not. When really, yeah, she wants that, but he wants that too, and he feels bad that he can't be that person, and so he's projecting that on her, making it her fault when really it's himself that he's upset with. She, she blames herself. You know, when he, she's like, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not your style, I'm not, what is it, you know, I just can't fit in. I mean, that was, that was kind of heartbreaking. And there, there was two scenes that I thought she was pretty fantastic in. Um, one when she's... Um, calls Hubble and says, you know, you're my best friend, and, it's, and she's trying not to cry on the phone, and can you come over, and I thought that was pretty great. Mm -hmm. um, and also, when she says, um, when she finds out that he cheats on her, and she blames herself, what's wrong with us, you know? And he says, it's not, it, me sleeping with another woman is not what's wrong with us, you know, we're wrong with us. And when she says, oh, I want, I want, I want us to love each other, Oh, that was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I thought Barbara Streisand was amazing in this movie. I thought she was giving a great performance. I love her. I think she's so beautiful, so funny, just like so magical as a person. I don't know if this was the way they shot the movie, but I felt like every time there was a close-up on her face, it was like dewy and glittery yeah. and like just so magical every time we saw Barbara Streisand. Mm -hmm. But um, I did not feel sad in any of the moments I think I was supposed to be sad because I think as a, a young person who has certain expectations for what a love story is supposed to be like, I didn't believe their love story. Well, it wasn't, I wasn't sentimental I wasn't rooting for them. Oh, I was, even though I knew it wasn't going to work. I was rooting for them. So there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, would, I wanted them to, to figure out a way to be together. This episode of The Movies That Made Her But Not Me is sponsored by ScreenSpec, where you can read reviews and features on the latest film and television releases and support underrepresented writers in the process. Visit ScreenSpec.com to stay up to date on what movies and shows you should be keeping up with. The structure of the movie was kind of interesting. With all the flashbacks? Yeah, well, it started like... Like one third into their relationship, like he's at that bar, right? And she mm -hmm. comes in, and I remember when I saw it this time, I thought this looks so old-fashioned to me, you know. But um, anyway, and then she says Hubble or whatever. Then they flash back to the whole college thing, and then they move forward. So mm -hmm. that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I thought I thought there was a lot of interesting editing stuff going on, both in the flashing back, which I think is an interesting way of telling a story. Mm -hmm. I think 
Yeah, Annie Hall, I feel like drew great inspiration from this movie with the flashing back starting at the end, that whole kind of thing. I was like, all right. So it was not as original as I had previously thought it was. But um, I thought there was some interesting editing with uh, like overlaying images. Oh, yeah, yeah. Each the other. Yes. Yeah. One being kind of transparent and seeing another one behind it. I thought that was pretty cool. The show, like, Passage of Time. Yeah. Like, you know, so you don't have to show them getting on a plane right. and flying to wherever, you know, they did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever read the book that it's based off of? No. I didn't even realize it was based on a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-mm. It was written by Arthur Lawrence, um, and he kind He's of... He's a screenwriter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he wrote the book oh. as kind of a screenplay. I mean, he wrote the book, but it was, like, with the intention that it would become a movie. Um, and... He wrote the role for Barbara Streisand. He kind of based it loosely off of himself, but always kept Barbara Streisand in mind for the role. He thought it was time that Hollywood have a film with a Jewish heroine. And because Barbara Streisand was the industry's most notable Jewish star, he wrote the role for her. I know there was a lot of drama on the production side when they were making the movie, a lot of fighting, a lot of not liking the way the director was taking it versus how the writer was taking it, like what direction they were taking it in versus the actors. When they watched the first rough cut of the movie, they were like, holy crap, what have we done? This movie is not good. The acting is terrible. Barbara Streisand's doing a weird accent in the whole movie. What do we do? And then they just went into crunch mode and re-edited the whole movie. Um, and when it came out, it was not that popular with critics, anyway, I should say, because okay. the actual movie grossed almost $50 million. So it was very successful, but uh-huh. critically, there was a lot of criticism about... I just thought it was too shallow. Because it was kind of weird. It's like this relationship, which is the core of it, then there's all of, you know, about McCarthyism and all these politics that kind of pulls it in a different direction. One of the things that the writer said that he didn't like about the movie was that Barbra Streisand and Robert Redford play the characters too much of themselves than of the characters. And I was wondering how you felt about that because when I when I heard that or when I read it, I kind of agreed with him. I felt like maybe Barbra Streisand and Robert Redford had seen themselves so much in the characters that they were portraying that they became less of the characters and more like I was just watching Robert Redford and Barbra Streisand fall in love than these two characters. Like, I didn't believe the characters themselves. You couldn't see the characters. You saw the actors. Right. And I don't know if that's just because I grew up with Barbra Streisand and Robert Redford. Like, I know they were huge stars then, but like... You know, they've been huge stars my whole life. I haven't really seen their careers develop over time, you know? Mm -hmm. So when I saw the movie, it was really hard for me to separate Barbara Streisand from Katie and Hubble from Robert Redford. And I thought it was interesting that the filmmakers felt the same way even when the movie came out. Well, um... You know, movie stars a lot of times are just who they are. You know, they're not the greatest actors, but it's like the camera loves them so much. You know, they're mm-hmm. just, you know, iridescent, or if that's the right word. They're so able to convey their feelings, and you're able to attach to them and relate to them. So that could um, be that. But let me ask, did you say? Did you feel like you were watching the actors act? Or did you feel like, well, that's Barbara Streisand, so... No, I felt like that's Barbara Streisand. Yeah. I felt like I was watching Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford fall in love, not the characters Hubble and Katie. And I don't know if that's because I just, I'm not witnessing this movie as it's coming out and at this certain point in their careers, or if it's because they're both such huge stars and actors even now that it's hard to separate the two. I think that's 
what it is. You just, you know, there's huge stars and you see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were perfectly cast. Yeah, they really were. I thought they both did really great work with the characters that they were given. Also, what about uh, Redford? He's like in the letter jacket or whatever. Then he's in every uniform, military. Then he's in his tuxedo. I mean, they couldn't have made him look more all-American winner. So let me ask you, so when you, I mean, when I saw this movie, I related to it um, in, in, in a lot of ways. You know, I was interested in the relationship. And as you see it, you didn't have any of those feelings, any, um, you, didn't, you didn't believe the relationship or you were just like, he's a, he's a, just a boring guy and why would she be with him? And I think I felt all of those things, but mainly the thing that I didn't believe about the relationship is that they would have ever gotten married and had a kid. I felt like that kind of took it a step too far. You know, like in Annie Hall, they never get married, they never have kids, and that's something that's kind of pleasant about it is that they never really have to worry about those things, but then these characters did that. They tried to, you know, have the family and the marriage and the white picket fence, and it didn't work. And I'm like, yeah, of course it didn't work because you guys are a terrible couple. And I've Ooh. seen that since minute one of the movie uh, when you guys uh, first met. Oh, you're a terrible couple. It doesn't work. But, you know, when you get into a relationship and you, you know, you see a person as you want to see them, it's all great. And then after a while you get to know that oh, they have some things that may bug you. or um, And so I think that's a real thing in relationships. And so that's how we could relate to this movie because... She saw him, well, as he says, she saw him as a beautiful writer, a beautiful person, you know, mm. and she wanted him to stand up more for himself. And, you know, and he says, no, that's not who I was. You saw me as, I was right. never that. I think part of it is you see what you want to see, yes. which I think is very true. And that's a theme that can transcend time, right? We always see what we want to see. But I think as far as, you know, him saying oh, you just saw me like that. I think a lot of that is projection. I think there is some truth in it from his side because, of course, she saw what she wanted to see, but so did he. And so his yeah. anger with her over it um, was seems he angry? unjustified. I don't remember. Was he angry about that? Well, no. I mean, it's just part of their, their argument. And he's like, well, uh, you just saw what you wanted to see. And I'm like, oh, well, that seems like a, a little loaded since so did you. Right. Yeah. Him like seemed like an unfair criticism mm -hmm. of her. Since she was trying to help. Whether he liked the way she went about it or not, she really was just trying to help push him to be the best person that he could, the best yeah. version of himself. And do you think I think that he uh was not that person and knew that he wasn't that person and when she keeps pushing him to be that person, he had to stop it because he is not that person. Yeah. You know, and probably felt guilty that he's not. Yeah, because he obviously couldn't make it work. But I thought in the end, I mean, I believe in the end because, you know, I'm such a big sap. But I'm like, yeah, they loved each other, but they couldn't make it work. And her hair wasn't ironed anymore at the end. And <laughs> That was good. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about the ending, about him not ever seeing his daughter ever again? <clears throat> Weird. I don't yeah, know he's what like, how's our daughter? And she's like, yeah, she's good. And I'm like, oh, you don't have a relationship with her yeah no but then he they kind of smooth it over by saying well is he good to her you know your husband yes very good ah oh, good good so now he's like oh i feel great that another man is taking care of my 
kid. Insinuating that before this conversation, he didn't care whether this other guy was good to his daughter or not. Yeah, he never... Didn't even try to check in to be like, hey, this is my daughter. Who are you marrying? Yeah. But I guess that was more common um, back then, too. Like, men were not expected to be involved at all. How is she? She is just beautiful. You would be so proud of her. Is he a good father? Yes, very. Good. You know, it's it's interesting that when I look back and I watch these movies, and um, they were so real with what was going on in the world today. They're just so real about religion, and yeah, it's it just so real. What did you think about the politics talk that was going on in the movie? How did you feel about that at the time versus how you feel about it now? Oh, well, I mean, the politics. Now, the only thing that, I mean, ban the bomb or whatever. We don't want to have war. You know, a lot of it, it didn't mean anything to me. Spain, I was just like, I, uh, I don't know. Uh, Roosevelt, you know, when they were joking about, I guess he had just died and mm-hmm. he was making a joke. Um I forgot the, what your question was again. What was that say again? <laughs> um, my question was how you felt about the politics uh, talk the politics. in the movie then when it came out versus when you watched it this time. Um, I didn't really pay much attention to it when I first saw it because I was into the um, into the relationship. But um, at least there was a moment I mean that turned her away from him when he was going to be a volunteer voluntary uh, for McCarthyism for he was going to mm-hmm. talk about who I guess are communists. So that was the reason that she wanted to break up or broke up with him. You know, it's it's weirdly relevant now. I mean, just like weirdly as far as Trump, like if you, or even, um, you know, like Texas, if you see somebody get an abortion or you know somebody's got an abortion, you can tell on them and get $10,000 or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, all that stuff seems so, it's so ridiculous and absurd now um, as it was back then. So... I appreciated in the movie that there was a bigger canvas to it, mm-hmm. you know, with the politics. But, you know, I was really focused into... I thought that was uh, the weakest part of the movie. Yeah, the, I yeah. agree. I felt like it was one too many things when they went really into the politics. I wish they had kind of gone down a path of more... These are their jobs or their passions, but they really don't influence the relationship. Because I think, you know... Marxism and communism are way too big of topics to get into in a romantic drama. So when they tried to, it just kind of felt a little... I'm like, don't go down there. Go back over here. Right. It felt like a distraction from the main story. Mm -hmm. I also was kind of bothered by it because I felt upset that Barbara Streisand had to be a Marxist because it seemed to me like, oh, well, the only way that she can be unlike other girls is if she is so extreme. That's the only way that she can be, you know, the polar opposite. And she always has to have outrageous opinions on everything that everybody disagrees with. She could never have just like a thing that she didn't have an opinion on or that she just agreed with everybody on. Mm-hmm. She always had to have like the most out there opinion mm-hmm. that she could have. And, and that's she says what, it. And she says it. And that's what distinguishes her as a character. And I don't know. I just was kind of bored by that a little bit because I wished that she wasn't, she didn't have to be so over the top 
to get the point out that she was really smart and that she and had passionate. opinions and that she was passionate. I wish that she didn't have to, you know, every two seconds be like, you're wrong and you don't know what you're talking about and I'm screaming on the side of the street and stealing this guy's flyers and calling people and I've got posters of communists hanging in my apartment. (laughs) It was like, all right, we get it. She's got opinions and she's passionate and really opinionated. I just wish that that didn't have to be her entire identity. Yeah, I didn't really know what her job was when they were married. But the other thing is that if she were not so over the top, then it would maybe not have pushed him so much to say, you've got to learn to enjoy life and relax. Mm-hmm. Does she need to enjoy life and relax? Isn't that so annoying when men are like, <laughs> you need to relax? Or smile. To yeah. Yeah. I don't really feel like she needs to relax. No. Because that's what he says when they kiss for like the first time where both of them are conscious. He says... <laughs> She says, be serious. And he says, you don't have to be serious all the time. Mm-hmm. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> you see, you, you side with her. You identify with her. Yeah, I, I identify did. with him. See, I'm disappointed in myself. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am. Oh, I thought there was a really missed opportunity to talk about how PTSD affected Hubble and his decisions. I thought that there was such an interesting moment right in the beginning when he passes out in her bed and her... Oh, right. Kettle goes off and he wakes up immediately and like starts screaming like he's in the middle of a war zone mm-hmm. because of the kettle. And then he passes back out. Mm-hmm. And then they ne- they never have a conversation about that moment. They never talk about it ever. I think it would have been, I think I would have been way more on Hubble's side if there was some sort of conversation or allusion to the fact that he was so laissez faire because he didn't know how long he was going to live for. I might die. I might get killed next time I go out in mm-hmm. the Navy. Or I had this experience where now I see how short life is. And so I'm just going to embrace it and do whatever I want and live life to the fullest and not do anything that doesn't make me happy or too serious. But they never went in that way. They were just like, it's a character. That's just who he is. Is He's kind of lazy. Lazy? Well, not lazy, but just that he has lazy attitudes about him, things. You can't see him trying or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, they didn't really have PTSD back then. They had uh, maybe shell shock. Well, I'm sure they still had PTSD. They even didn't if it wasn't... call it that. <laughs> it wasn't invented then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you wanted more explanation to make him more understandable. I just felt like if they wanted me to be on board for their romantic relationship and where they were both coming from, I needed to see where he was coming from, not just like, I'm a man. I don't have to try at anything, and if you tell me I need to start trying, I can get mad at you because that's, as a woman, you shouldn't tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And I should go back to my other girlfriend. Lois Childs. Yes, yes and she will tell me that I'm awesome and that everything that I'm doing is right. But, you know, Katie, Barbara Streisand says he's awesome. She says it all the time. Yeah, awesome. she does. Beautiful. But she you're still criticizes writer. him. You're better. Yeah, you're better than that. Yeah. Well, she calls him a fascist or something. She called everybody a fascist, which is kind of adorable. You know? but, uh... Oh, I thought it was funny that she's, that um, he said to her, when they had that first fight at that party and they're, the two of them are fighting about politics, I did think it was kind of odd that they always have these fights like out in the open in the middle of a party. They just start screaming at each other. Totally. I was like, all right, I guess. Yeah, me too. That made me um, 
that made me nervous. <laughs> but I noticed that on, uh, I was forced into watching Grey's Anatomy the other day, and mm-hmm. I noticed they do the same thing. They just talk about their stuff in front of the whole fire department or the whole hospital or the whole whatever. So, yeah, it was shocking. And then she tells him, he tells her to, like, behave. Mm-hmm. Be a good girl. But he said to her, she said something about politics, and he said, where do you get your information from? You just believe what you hear. Where do you get your information from? And I was like, that's so funny. We say the same thing now yeah. about extremists. <laughs> where do you get your information from? Yeah, so I thought yeah, that was yeah, funny yeah, since yeah. this was a movie that came out in 1973 about characters in the 40s yeah. saying the same thing that we say now yeah, yeah. about political conversations, making the same accusations, having the same types of arguments and the same types of issues with the people that we're debating with. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty interesting Mm -hmm. and something that I picked up on immediately because of the time period that we are living through right now. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that was very noticeable in 1973, as we talked about, you know, the Vietnam war just ended. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that was very hot political climate that made the politics in this movie really relevant then. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that part of it's still relevant now. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. it's a classic what do you think i think no and i think no for a reason that i don't know if it's fair or not but this is how i feel i feel like since i had never heard of it before that i don't think it's a classic because there are movies that i've never seen but i've still heard of because of how influential and popular they are this was not one of those movies did it win any awards it won best original song and best original soundtrack well, or score. score, sorry, the score, score not soundtrack. It was really beautiful. Best original score, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't think that a movie that hasn't really made any significant impact in the years since it came out, I don't know if that can be a classic. What do you think? Well, I agree with that. I guess um, I guess the idea when I, when I think of a classic versus a movie that works, you know, because the movie worked for me back then and it works for me now. Um... I think that's where I get tripped off on what's a classic. Because it still has relevant issues. It just doesn't feel like a, a, a classic. Like it, It's just basically a movie um, that had two great leads in it. Yeah, but I like this movie. It worked again. I was happy to see it. Mm-hmm. Do you think nostalgia played a part in that? Or do you think if you saw it today, it would be just as impactful as it was when you first saw it? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think a little bit of nostalgia. If I saw it today for the first time, I think I would like it. Yeah, I would like it. Do you think it would have impacted you as much? Uh, how did this movie impact you? Just by being a great movie that you love? or No, because I realized that I wasn't a great person. Oh, no. I'm the Hubble Gardener character. That was not a good thing to learn. I, You know, I thought I was like, well, you know, I'm, you know, with a sword in my hand, I lead the way. No, not at all. You know, and I understood what he was going through. I understood that he's not going to do the rewrites or he will do the rewrites because he wants to succeed there. And I and I just innately understood like his upbringing and stuff. I just related to him. Yeah, so, but I was struck by the relationship. I learned that love is not enough and that was a big lesson to learn because I thought they loved each other. But there were things they just could not, you know, mm-hmm. surmount. You know, I have to say that even like, you know, when I was in the thick of making all my movies, you know, either at you know Hollywood Pictures or whatever, you know, it was a big thing to cast. Um, the, everybody that, all the stars were, you know, blonde, blue, 
eyed, waspy looking people, you know, and there was such a anti-Semitic feeling among the Jewish filmmakers in Hollywood, do you know, that they, mm -hmm. and so I even remember when I was making a movie at Hollywood Pictures and, and it was all, it was a whole Jewish family that I was fascinated with and Eisner said, Michael Eisner at the time said, you know, don't make them look Jewish, which I just couldn't understand any of that. So, um, so it is not a big thing for you today, but with me, when I was your age back then, it was a huge thing. I didn't know Jewish people and I wanted to. I wanted to, because I certainly knew that my life and lifestyle wasn't where it was at. You know, I just, I wanted to expand. So yeah, I learned a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I thought he was super beautiful, but not as beautiful as when I saw it the second time. I thought his hair looked a little carrot topish. <laughs> <laughs> Slam on Robert Redford. <laughs> He's such a little guy too, because then I did another movie with him. Um, not another one, I didn't do this one. Um, what a horse whisperer. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I did anything else. And he has this weird way of like, when you're talking to him, he just kind of keeps moving to the like, one of the sides so your head keeps following him. <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden you're like turning around to try to have a conversation with him. And that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think he's a really good actor though. That's kind of the impact that this movie had on me when I watched it. I was like, oh, Barbara Streisand and Rob Redford are really good actors. Mm-hmm. I understand why they're so famous. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a very reserved actor, you know, you can really see that. You know, she was, you know, becoming... He was also all very aware of his audience, Redford, mm -hmm. that he, he really um, felt that he knew what his audience wanted to see him in. So he was very particular about the roles he picked. He wasn't mm -hmm. going to deter from that and take any kind of weird offbeat role. Was he easy to work with? Oh, yeah. I mean, but whatever he says goes, mm -hmm. you know, because we were super happy about that. I mean, we won the, this is for uh, Horse Whisperer, uh, we won the um, the bidding war on the book, um, and we felt very lucky. And then, of course, boom, you know, Redford came into it, so we thought we were the, you know, greatest people in the world at that point, you know. So, uh, yeah, we find a work with. And then we had to close it down for a while. I'm trying to remember what happened. There was it weather up in Montana. I can't remember. Memories like the corners of my mind, misty watercolor memories of the way. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Movies That Made Her, But Not Me. Join us next episode when Lauren and Minna visit a friend in the hospital with our very special episode on While You Were Sleeping. Thank you also to Antonio Ortiz for composing our theme and all other music on this podcast. And lastly, thank you to you, listeners. We've started a podcast email for listeners to email us and provide feedback, comments, questions, and anything else you might want us to know. Email us at moviesmadeher at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us at moviesmadeher on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter to stay up to date on episode releases, the movies we'll be covering, and all things podcast-related.